0: welcome to Full and share Theology we're your hosts Justin Mercier and Bruce Pagano and this is Theology for everyone welcome back to full and share Theology we're your hosts Justin Mercier here with Bruce Pagano hey what's up hey and uh man I think today we are on part nine I don't know I think I'm just making numbers (laughs) up at this point
1: I don't know yeah yeah, maybe nine.
0: Yeah, uh, my my phone says, "Wait, waiting for the Lord."
1: Yes, you know, mine. Yeah, I think that's what. Waiting mine is. on the
0: Lord. <laughs>
1: waiting on the Lord. Um, waiting for the Lord. And then we're also going to talk about truthful speech. I think that it ties in nicely. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So, um, anyway. Yes, yeah, so we're gonna do that, and uh, when well, then we'll have one we're more. We're on week.
1: ten. This is our tenth.
0: Oh, tenth! I was close. All right, yeah. this is our tenth, tenth installment. Yeah, and we'll do one more we'll,
1: next week. We'll talk about prayer, effective prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, that'd be good. So, <laughs> sweet. All right. Um, what are you drinking over there, Woodford?
1: Woodford. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I went and picked up some uh, Pendleton yesterday. So,
1: yeah, I have a. It was,
0: yeah.
1: I don't know who I was talking to. Oh, it was Daniel. He had said that when they were in, when he was in Oregon last, Oregon, Oregon, um, yeah. last week, he was talking to a guy and they said that Pendleton was created, like specifically distilled for the rodeo crowd, like for the rodeo nice people writers yeah which is cool cool backstory i don't know like how i don't know the details of the history of it but
0: yeah, yeah. that makes sense i mean there's I've a, never like a, a big like horse on the bottle <laughs>
1: yeah i've never had pendleton maybe i have might have had it in a neighbor's house i don't
0: remember though Oh yeah i
1: don't huh. know it was good
0: yeah Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, it's not Woodford, but it's close, you know. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, nothing new? Nothing really, I mean, today's 4th of July, so.
1: Oh, yeah, Yeah, we're recording on 4th of July, but we're recording a little bit earlier than we normally do, and we had to make sure it was after 12 so that we could drink whiskey. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, you can't do that before noon, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. might indicate a problem i'm not sure yeah right but yeah so happy have fourth of july and which is always kind of interesting now like um i guess like i it's it's cool like celebrating independence i mean every country celebrates their independence if they're independent you know
1: um Yeah, I think so maybe
0: yeah and like you know i think madagascar just had their independence day not too long ago so my my friend who's a missionary out there was celebrating and all that kind of stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, just uh, yeah, it's interesting as far as like with all the instruction trial going on and that sort of thing, it's just a little different this year for 4th of July. You know? I know there's a <laughs>
1: lot of people that it's been different for like, that are like, I'm not really in the space to celebrate America. <laughs>
0: yeah. <right. laughs> with the
1: January 6th tr- or hearings and the, um, you know, Multiple court cases that have overturned some really important things, um, toward the ultra conservative viewpoint. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. M- just I think Sarah was doing just looking at some stuff, and this guy brought up the point that there's a season between Juneteenth and January 4th that people are trying to, um, I don't know if it was something that exists before, but people are trying to like make a thing where it's called civic season. And it's just like a recognition of like, I don't want to misspeak on it. I'm not exactly sure what it is, but they're, they're looking, trying to like, look at it as an alternative to, you know, celebrating the 4th of July specifically. I don't know. I, I get it. I mean, I was in the military for 20 years. So like, understand yeah. patriotism and being proud of your country and where you live. Um, but I also understand why it's difficult lately for people. And it's not just a clean cut. Oh, if you don't celebrate 4th of July and, and Americans America's independence, then you're a, you know, commie liberal bastard or something like that. And it's just like, you no, know, like it's more nuanced yeah. than that. Have like, golly man like it almost feels like you're not even trying to understand
0: (laughs) yeah right
1: um so i get i get it um i'm not i mean it feels i don't know it doesn't matter
0: yeah you guys got some some good plan for tonight
1: oh we have people coming over and we're going to barbecue um and i guess that's celebrating but like for me it's just about getting together with people it kind of always has in the last even my last few years in the military was less about like wearing wearing an american flag t-shirt and celebrating i mean because honestly like our independence yeah that separated us from a, a monarchy and gave us you know made us our own country but it that's what we're celebrating but like to say that it like it made us independent and free it didn't for all people, and that's that's the rub, that's the difficulty for some people. Like it didn't make us free. Yeah, it was the it was the times that we were in. Yeah, I know, but there were still abolitionists back then. Like, I mean, there were still people that were like, we shouldn't own people. <laughs> and then yeah, we did right. for a hundred more years. <laughs> like, right. yeah, exactly. I mean, it could have it could have just as easily been written into our constitution that you can't own people. And they chose not to, there were people that were part of signing the declaration of independence and the constitution that were abolitionists. And it just wasn't as important because they couldn't agree on it. So it didn't make it, you know, right. So we yeah. compromised, we compromised at the very beginning because we, we didn't want the people in the South to be angry. Like, okay. Right so i understand i get it
0: yeah yeah no I, yeah, nobody wants to have
1: a nuanced conversation that's dangerous
0: yeah right <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's um is it funny how like the there's a whole side of of history american history that doesn't get taught in the schools and in the school books and right you know, I mean, the people who like who lost battles, or or people who had other freeing thoughts of like like using abolitionists, and, and it's like they don't get statues, and you know, remind right. re- reminded every day of oppression and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I just- mean, we ain't
1: got any cat- statues of King George laying around, right? Right. So, yeah. but whatever, it's not going to change the discussion. I mean, like it's you know the the, the history stuff that's not being taught in school because I don't know it looks bad. It's irre- irrelevant. I don't know what the argument is nowadays. There's so many of them, but Juneteenth was just made a federal holiday, and we can't actually talk about in school. It might be construed as CRT. So we can't even talk about why Juneteenth is a federal holiday. Um,
0: right?
1: Prayers back in school. Well, that's not what the ruling was. The ruling was not that prayers allowed back in school. Um, But a lot of Christians are celebrating it as, Oh, we got prayer back in school. That's what we've needed. Nope. That's not what that is. You're misconstruing that judgment or that um, ruling. Um, But like, we're so adamant to have prayer back in school, but we can't have an honest conversation about our um and an honest conversation about our history. But also like yeah. I, you know, I tweeted this thing last week, I think, about um how we approach, I think the reason that we're afraid people are indoctrinating our kids is because as Christians, the way we approach evangelism is from on a practical level. We would, we would never admit it. And people got mad at me that I said this because they don't want to admit it, but we approach it from an indoctrination type standpoint. Like we just want to change their mind about an idea that they have about God and get them believe in what we want them to believe. And if they have questions that counter what we want them to believe um, it's heresy or it's, it's not okay, or it's critical race theory or, you know, whatever, like, we'll, like whatever boogeyman they come up with. And so we approach evangelism from a very indoctrinating standpoint, as opposed to this real relational thing that is transformative. Um, but, but it's okay to have prayer back in school and that's not indoctrinating, right? Like we're not trying to yeah. indoctrinate people who n- might not be Christian and might not believe that we're going to put prayer back in school and we're going to force them to, bow not not like physically like literally bow but like force them to like give into our desire to put a thing that we want in school as Christians because it's the right thing to do. But don't even in high school don't say anything about a teacher who might be gay or a lesbian or you know what I'm saying like don't do that because you're trying to indoctrinate my kids. I'm literally not teaching your kids about homosexuality. I'm just living my life and being honest about who I'm married to. Um, And I just, I think that it contradicts. (laughs) I think that when we're trying to like mix our um, theology with our public policy, you get this really dangerous thing that by the way, the founding fathers were trying to escape um, when they left England, they were trying to get away from a state run church. Um, and a church- run government, like they were trying to get away from that, yeah, so they they recognized that judeo-Christian values were beneficial for a flourishing society. They were not trying to make this a theocracy that was run by the church. And for some reason, Christians have a hard time with that. We were not established as a Christian nation. There were judeo-Christian values that were in input or that we're impugned into how we founded things and how we set things up, but we weren't formed to be a, a Christian nation and, and it gets completed and nobody want like, I, I know a lot of people that don't want to have that conversation. It's very threatening to have that conversation. Right. So,
0: yeah, isn't that interesting? <laughs> like they want to, they want their cake and eat it too. Is that, is that the same?
1: Yeah. Cake and eat it too. Yep. That is exactly the same. You know, it's also interesting.
0: I yeah. added a new Funko pop. Oh, yeah. Who is that? Michael that's, Jackson?
1: No, no, that's not Michael. Jackson. <laughs> the guy's white. Um, it's uh, Matt Smith as the 11th doctor in Doctor Who.
0: Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. I We just watched. Oh, no, that's Doctor Who. I just watched Doctor Strange, the, that new movie. So. Yeah, different guy. Different doctor. Yeah, different doctor.
1: <laughs> um so now i just need a couple more i need number 10 which is played by david Tennant, and then i need um jd's other half turk from scratch oh yeah so yeah where do
0: you even get those
1: online oh
0: is that right my
1: wife bought me 11 number 11 and not stranger things yeah. 11 the original 11
0: uh, so nice yeah that's cool. Yeah, I like I like those. There, I, someone gave me one. It's at my office in Boise, and it's Pedro from oh, that's uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that's fun.
0: Yeah, so he, he's there just chilling. actually. If you can
1: see up at the top there, yeah, that creepy little like, analog baby up there sitting next to a pelvis. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's actually sitting in a pelvis. That's my wife's. Um, Teaching aid that she had when she was yep. going through midwifery school. She had to have a a baby that she could feel the like connections, the sutures in in its head. Yeah. And it comes with like a bag that it's in and a placenta and an umbilical cord and a pelvis. Really? Yeah. Anyway. Wow. His name you want to know his name? Yeah. It's Robert Crowning Jr.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> crowning jr yeah. Junior. anyway i made a page oh oh did you <laughs> oh yeah. man anyway i was i watched something um steve it was like a steve harvey show thing and there's like this little girl who's like she's probably gotta be like five years old when she was doing anatomy or whatever and she had said something to the fact of like the pelvic bone is the only bone in the body that's gender
1: specific or something like that. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to ask my wife.
0: Yeah. Um, they're different for men and women. So I, I thought that was kind of interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to ask my wife. I never heard that before.
0: Yeah. <coughs> yeah. you yeah, just yeah, let me know what she says. <laughs> yeah.
1: I know that mine does not need to expand at all. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So. No. Yeah. No, I I feel very lucky to be on, on, on this side of. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's yeah, crazy. So. All
1: right. All right. That's cool. enough making me people mad. So. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> awesome. So, all right. So we're on verse seven.
1: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: uh, should I read through verse 11? 12. You want to do 12 also? Okay.
1: Yeah, th- that was so, just about truth-telling, and we've already kind of talked about that because he's literally repeating the words that Jesus says in Matthew 5.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so. the same, same. All right, so verse 7 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for this precious fruit of the earth and and, and is patient with it until it receives the early and late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts because the Lord is coming here. Brothers and sisters, do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge stands at the door. Brothers and sisters, take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as an example of suffering and patience. See how we count as blessed those who have endured. You have heard the... Uh, of Job's endurance, and have seen the outcome that the Lord has brought about, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or in, or with any oath, under oath. And let your yes be, mean yes, and your no mean no, so that you will not fall under judgment. Cool. Sweet. Yep.
1: Um... Any initial thoughts on your end
0: um, I do that pretty big, He says brothers and sisters obviously he's talking about the Christians um, so not to get like confused or that sort of thing um, and I like that you know he uses the a lot of the Bible uses farmer a lot of uses the term like farmer kind of a thing and in like how you know, waiting as a farmer, it's like you put all this work into growing something, and then you're watching. I mean, you're literally watching paint dry. And I mean, you know, you're just you're waiting to make sure that you have the right soil and the right spacing and the right uh, placement. Of, you know, healthy seed, and you know, and so it's just it's really just, and then and then you're just praying like I hope that this grows into what's supposed to be, and then if it does you get to reap the harvest of it. And it's like, that's that's the reward is the harvest, you know? And so I, I like that he uses that as kind of like, look at the, what the farmer does. You also must do the same thing. Right. And, that's, and that's be patient, strengthen the on the Lord.
1: Yeah. And there's some, um, that passage of scripture or that passage right there, like there's some argument that's been, or well, interpretation that's been given about how um, people have wanted that to mean like wait for the early rains and the late rains and some people have wanted that to mean like a pouring out of the holy spirit but there's no indication of like a measured amount of the holy spirit like there is i think in corinthians or something there's um passages there's a passage of scripture that talks about like the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit being poured out more actively um, in the end time or whatever, something like that. but like well, there's a lot of scholarship and agreement around the fact that like literally James is talking about farmers in this. like talking about the early rain yeah. that comes in November. I was reading something that like the early rain would come in November, you know late October, early November. it would prep the ground for being able to till it the late rains would come in March, April, and would kind of be this last like abundance of water that would help like mature the crop for harvest. Um, and he's literally talking like he's, he's saying like, have the same patience as those farmers that have to wait for the rains in the fall and then have to wait for the rains in the spring. Um, And they trust that they're going to come like they, they know that they're going to come, but they still wait for them. And their, their work is dependent on, on their patience. Like they, they have to be patient. So a lot of, there's a lot of indication that he's literally just talking about farmers. He's not, it's not some overtly spiritual thing. He's just saying, have that same type of endurance and wait Mm -hmm. and trust that the thing that you're waiting for is going to come
0: yeah i feel like we talk about running the race and endurance that way so often that also endurance doesn't sometimes doesn't look like running sometimes it looks like sitting and like waiting you know and it's like i feel like a lot of times it's like you know it's run fast paced get it there get it done you know like run 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 and uh and it's like this is saying something a little opposite like the farmer can't run, he just has to sit there.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. So, you had mentioned how he says, What does he say, brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Um, he opens verse seven with like brothers and sisters, and so that's clearly like he's talking to Christians. Um, yeah, I think too, it's really important to. Remember that he starts that passage of words with "therefore, brothers and sisters," and so oh, like, yeah. "therefore" indicates that he's talking about the stuff that he had just talked about. Yeah, and what was he just talking about? He's kind of riffing on this idea that like the rich are taking advantage of the poor. Yeah, they're indulging themselves and they are using the poor and the righteous. Um for their own benefit and that creates oppressive environments that creates um hardship um and so James here is telling he's saying because of that because um hardships are being created by people that shouldn't be creating hardships for you be patient because the lord's coming right and so he's using that um that farmer and Job as an example for suffering and patience. Um, he even talks about um, prophets, right, brothers and sisters. Take the prophets who spoke in the Lord's name as example, as an example of suffering and patience. And so that, you know, I mean, and you know the the pay, the prophets of the past, um, they would run around saying, hey, this is what the Lord says, and this is not going to be good. If we don't listen to what the Lord says, it's not going to be good. And oftentimes they were mocked and scoffed at and killed um, because they were saying things that they that they didn't like. Jesus point makes that point. He's just like you killed your prophets. Like you kill your prophets. That's what you do. You kill your prophets. Yeah. Um as a means of like not having to listen to them. Like you kill them. And so I think like this points being made there, that's like, Hey, you guys are going through a really difficult time, but it's not undoable. Like, like your, tr- your ability to trust in the Lord, your ability to wait on the Lord and endure suffering and with patience, um, exist because it did for Job, it does for the prophet it did for the prophets it currently does for the farmer you know what i'm saying like and makes and makes that point so i think that's a really important point and kind of right in the middle of that talk about patience he says in verse nine brothers and sisters do not complain about one another so that you will not be judged like the judges stand at the door um and i was yeah. sitting there with my wife and i was kind of reading it and I was like, what do you think that means? And she yeah, right. me had a conversation. So, like, what do you think that means? Like, don't complain.
0: It's really interesting because um, a lot of what we, when we, do de- when we deconstruct, when we deconstruct things, I feel like people use this all the time. Like, when you post something on Facebook, like, you know, like, or Twitter, and like, hey, like, the church is wrong for doing, you know, whatever it is. Um, they'll say, oh, well, don't don't be judging you know like because so that way you won't be judged you know kind of thing and yeah so that's what i think i've always been taught as far right. as that goes but yeah i don't know like i like to hear your thoughts on it
1: um i like when i first read it i was like same same as you i was just like oh man like this is this is one of the verses that's used to tell you not to talk badly about the the church um and i like we've talked about judgment before and how there's good crino and bad crino and good crino is or bad crino is um up very othering it's when you use judgment to categorize and separate people right as opposed to good crino which is like evaluate uh like evaluation and judgment of character and fruit, like behaviors, like, Hey, I mean, it's the reason why Jesus tells us to, you know, when he says, notice the plank in your eye before you're trying to remove the speck in your brothers. He's not telling you not to bring up the fact that your brother has a speck in his eye. He's telling you, make sure that you're aware of the plank in yours first and that you're doing the active work to do that. Um, that work that needs to be done individually before you before you're even capable of moving to a place to essentially judge your brother. I mean, cause that's, what's happening. Like your brother or sister, like when you're, when you're metaphorically trying to remove a speck from their eye, you're trying to show them that there's something in the way of them being able to see truth, right. Or live the way that they're supposed to, or, And so Jesus, he doesn't say you can't do that. He just says, make sure that you're aware of the thing that's going on with you before you do that, because that will keep you in a place of humility when you approach your brother or sister. You will approach them with humility because you understand what's going on in your own heart or eye. Um, And so this passage of scripture, like that word complain is um, means kind of murmur in this context, which murmur is this like, low very soft voice and and the indication here is is like don't go away by yourself or with another group of people and just complain and run your mouth about your brother and sister in christ um, in a way that dehumanizes them or removes their humanity and others them into a category Because that's bad crino. That's bad judgment. Like you are, you're removing the image of God from them by your complaining, because you're complaining about them versus going to someone and being honest about um, hurt that might've occurred or an offense that might've taken place because the Bible even addresses that. Like if, if I've offended my brother and I know that that exists, I'm to go to them and be reconciled. Right. Like if, If someone sins and I go to them and I reveal that to them and they don't accept it, I'm talking about their behavior. I'm not talking about them as a person, right? If they do something, then I'm supposed to bring someone with me. And then I'm supposed to bring it before the church. And so it's not an excuse to do things wrong. Like, oh, you can't judge me. You can't complain. Like all you're doing is complaining. No, no, no. I'm like, I'm calling out uh, a broken system that needs to be fixed Oh, you're just, you're just critical. Okay. Like you don't have to accept it, but it's not unbiblical. Like if I was just sitting, like it'd be less biblical if I was sitting in my house, just ranting and complaining and calling the person names. And like, they were the focus unjustly of my negativity. But if, but if there's a like, say we have a leader, say there's a leader in, in a church that is abusive and a bully, and you go to people and you're like, it's not okay. And you go to that person. You're like, it's not okay that you act this way. That's not complaining. Like that's not murmuring. Um, It's not the same thing. Like you're like, Hey, the way that you treat people is not okay. You're not trying to other them. You're just trying to tell them you're not acting Christ-like in this space. Um, And so I think it's really, you have to be careful because you have to know what your motives for are for what you're saying. Um, and that takes a lot of self-reflection. Um, but people are going to very easily transition that to, Oh, you say anything negative. Like you're just a complainer. Like it's not worth even listening to. It's just like, Oh, that's, that stinks that, that you want to take it that way, but okay.
0: Yeah. Well, it's easier to, I mean, it's easier just to, <coughs> excuse me, instead of having them, real conversation for something you just go Ah, you're just complaining about what says not to complain like and it's like mm, but i'm not complaining now. like right
1: but this I'm, is a legitimate concern and yeah. you can't just brush it off by saying i'm complaining and then not have to address it like which people do all the time that happens all the time like yeah if i just say that you're complaining i can just ignore it i can just brush it off So, And I don't have to be accountable to it, which is really funny. I think we talked about it um, yesterday in church that there's this kind of duplicit thing that happens where it's like very contradictory thing that happens that's like, hey, transparency and authenticity in the church is really important, like be your most authentic and true self. And then there are lots of people that live really double standard lives, like a very different private life than they live publicly and when you go to them and you're just like hey i'm wondering about this the input is oh you can't judge me like oh like okay
0: yeah
1: like yeah we're supposed to be authentic but then i'm trying to be authentic here in this space and you you don't actually want it like we don't you know we don't want accountability in that space
0: yeah very it's really interesting is like with the church talks so much about accountability in so many ways, but then like when you actually hold them accountable, it becomes, Oh well, no, you can't hold me accountable. Like, you know,
1: Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> it's like, I was listening no, to need... Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's just like, where it's just like, Hey, all y'all need to hold each other accountable for your sins, for your this, for your that, but just not the church. Like, you know, right. as long as it's not us or, you know, we won't say
1: nothing. <laughs> right. And that's kind of the feel behind it, right? Like it's like um I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about authority and I was and like how it's really important, really important. And I was just like no, I got that, but like and and maybe I'm wrong. I'm like I'm looking I'm actively looking for it right now, but I don't ever see a place where Paul exerts his authority over a group of people whenever Paul talks about his authority, it's always around him being allowed to preach the gospel that he has authority from Jesus to deliver the message to people and then hold them to living out that standard. Like that's where his authority exists or that's the authority that he has. And yes, that makes him a leader in the church. And then he talks about like deacons and overseers and, um, and their ability and their authority to make sure that the church functions correctly and that we're teaching what we're supposed to be teaching, that it doesn't get out of hand. Um, but it's not like this hierarchical system that exists. They didn't say assa- like, I don't see Paul establishing this hierarchical system that says I am above you and you can't act without permission from me. I don't see that like anywhere. Yeah. Like, yes, he talks about maturity and, and, and how he knows Jesus and he's trying to teach that and follow me as I follow Jesus. Um, but at some point he looks at, at Timothy as an equal, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a point at which he looks at Timothy as an equal and will still yeah. feel like a father to Timothy. Um, but in the work of heaven, he views him as an equal. Um, and so he's not trying to exert authority over him like he's built a relationship and has influence and that's it you know i mean so i don't know
0: yeah and that's that's i think that's what you said it's like he builds the relationship first and then he says look my authority comes from god it's not from my um master's degree at whatever college university you know like it's it's like my authority comes from god and i'm 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 sending this letter out because we have a relationship here and there's some things that we need to talk about. Um, versus, like, what you're saying is, like, hey, I'm a big... I'm a big Paul, you know? Like, bow down and give your monies to me and stop doing what you're doing, but give me, you know, give me more praises and, you know, accolades.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah. Because we... I see, we see that in Western evangelicalism as we see that, see that like, Hey, you know, do you know who I am? I'm friends with the celebrities. Like I have a mega church. Um, you want your pastor to live like a broke person? Like, don't you know who I am? Like, right. I'm the, I'm the mouthpiece of God. Like, you know, it's like, dang, but that's, But we are for some reason we're like, yep, yeah, he's the chosen one. Yep, here's my money. Like, yep, yeah. And we just kind of prop it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very interesting. Yeah, but I do like that though. Like the the distinction between there is a, a accountability that we're holding to a higher standard versus complaining we've talked about that before, there's a difference because like it's been said at church, like God doesn't want you to um, be critical of the church. God, Jesus loves church. God loves church. So when you're critical against the church, you're critical against God and it's like, "Mm, I don't think that's how that works. (laughs) I, I don't think that's how that works. You're doing something that's clearly not theologically sound here.
1: Right. In line with Christ likeness.
0: Yeah. You know, kicking your congregants in your office doesn't match up with the gospel. Like it just it just doesn't. And it's like, yeah, well, discipline. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. No, no. no. you're just you're just complaining. No, no, no. I don't I don't think that's what it's easy <laughs> to
1: dismiss you. If you're just complaining, it's easy to dismiss
0: you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um uh, So yeah, I like that. He, um, I'm glad that that's in there because you know, uh, it gives you it gives you a different perspective on on what to do. All
1: right, so we're just gonna wrap up with that last passage, which um, says in verse it's verse twelve by itself. Above all, brothers and sisters, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes. Mean yes, and your no know, mean no, so that you won't ponder judgment. And so he's kind of continuing that judgment motif there, that thing that he's talking about. Um, and we've talked about this passage of scripture before um, when we were talking about the sermon on that because he's literal, literally word for word repeating what Jesus said. In Matthew 5.33, where Jesus said, again, you have heard it said to to your ancestors, you must not break your oath, um, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black but let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. No, anything more than this is from the evil one. And yeah. so he's verbatim <laughs> repeating. And a lot of like, so a lot of people, um, that oath that he's talking about <clears throat> is not, <clears throat> not like, Hey, I promise that I'll be there on Saturday. Like he's not specifically talking about that. It could be included in that, but it's not specifically about that. Um, He's talking about literal oaths. So like when we swear on the Bible in a church, he's talking about that. When we pledge allegiance to the flag, he's talking about that. When we swear an oath and join the military or congressmen swear an oath and, and you know, are sworn in or, you know, priests swear an oath of allegiance to their denomination, Um, or, um, like I heard someone talking about it one time and he was like the oath because the queen is the head of the church of England. When you swear an oath to the queen, when you become a priest of the church of England, those are the oaths that Jesus is talking about. He's literally saying, don't, don't make those oaths either by heaven Mm -hmm. or by earth. Don't make those oaths. Um, because, you will fall under judgment. Like you potentially are placing yourself in a place where you might have to break that oath or where that oath supersedes um, allegiance to Jesus. And that will place you under judgment from the, the judge God that remember when we're talking about Crino, like good Crino or bad Crino, the judgment that separates you from separates you from, yeah, God's that's part of God's justice, remember? Like we taught, like the goats and the sheep, yeah, that that's crino. Like, that's I'm going to set you on my left as goats and send you into hellfire, and I'm going to set you guys on my right as sheep. Um, he's declaring cream, like, he's in, he's implementing crino, he's using judgment, he's initiating judgment um and one of them sends it away like
0: and, yeah. and he bases
1: it on character right like like we're all image bearers but he's like your character and your your works your fruit did not reveal your allegiance to me the the things that you said um created a situation where you were going to be judged now because they didn't match up with the things that you did and so it, I don't know if we've talked about it on here. Maybe we have, but it's part of the reason I don't say the Pledge of Allegiance anymore. And people are like, oh, it's so unpatriotic. Nope. Like there's so much religious language built into that on purpose because a Baptist yeah. minister wrote it like a Baptist <laughs> minister wrote it for indoctrinating kids. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? like, Like, and you don't have to yeah, like no. that answer, but that's why it's written and sounds the way it does is because they were like, hey, we need people to really buy into American patriotism um, and
0: yeah.
1: and um, you know, hey, Baptist minister, you guys are really good at getting people to fall in with allegiance. Can you write this thing? Right. Because we right. want to blend together our religious belief and our political system. And they did. They did it because before that, like the Pledge of Allegiance wasn't a Pledge of Allegiance. It was just like a declaration. And it was like one sentence long (laughs) and they changed it um, and put religious language in there on purpose. And so I don't say it anymore because my allegiance doesn't fall to America. Like I, I, the thing that I don't understand about American, I mean, Christian nationalism, like or just nationalism in general is like, the, no, that's not true. The thing I don't understand about Christian nationalism is your support for the country and your love of country is antithetical to what the Bible says is going to happen in the end. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, your country is going to turn on you because they're an earthly kingdom. They're not the kingdom of God. They like, no matter how religious you make it, no matter how much you make it look like a theocracy, it is going to turn on you. It is going to turn on you. And that's just the truth of it. Like if you believe the Bible, earthly kingdoms are going to turn against the people of God. And my wife said the other day, like what if Christians are ushering in the end times by what they're doing in America? Like what, like what if the, and not that like we're ushering in the end times, but like, what if what they're doing is a part of that prophecy totally. yeah. where it's just like, you're creating a situation where you're allowing the um, the American government to become so fundamental in their application of the way that they understand the Bible, that people who are trying to like live authentically within uh, the kingdom and be as much as Christ like as possible are going to be the ones that are that that Christian fundamentalist nationalist view attacks. Like, yeah. Oh man, that would suck. Like, so yeah. I like he's he's talking about those types of oaths that we make, and he's saying just say yes and mean it, and just say no and mean it. Um, right because there's less judgment in that like you can't be held like you can't be put in a situation where now i have to question or compromise the oath that i've made and have to pick between these two things anyway thoughts on that what do you think
0: yeah it's interesting because like i i And I was going to ask you, like, what do you do about with your, like, with your kids and the Pledge of Allegiance in school and things like that?
1: I, like, I've had the conversation with Hazel. She's only seven and she's like, she said something. I think she was saying that there's a kid that won't stand up during the Pledge of Allegiance. And so the conversation we had was, well, you don't have to. And she was like, they said you had to. And I was like, no, you don't have to um, daddy. Daddy doesn't say the pledge of allegiance because um, because it says that um, I was like the word allegiance means that I want to follow that person and that I think that they're the most important thing and that I am going to do whatever it takes to show them because she's seven to show them that I'm on their side. I was like, and the only person that asks us to do that is Jesus. Like, and so daddy doesn't say the Pledge of Allegiance because my allegiance, my promise, my um I can't remember exactly how I worded it to her, but essentially like my yeah. promise is to Jesus and not America. Um yeah. when I was in the military, my promise was to the military, like was to America via the military, um, to support and defend the constitution from all threats, foreign and domestic. Um, and that's why January 6th is yeah makes me angry because, um, and I've said it before Brian Sicknick, the Capitol police officer that was killed on that day. Yeah. Um, right. I was deployed with him. I didn't know him well, but I was deployed. We were part of the same unit. We were, we flew there together. Um, and, and I'd met him like we didn't hang out, but we hung out with some of those guys. Um, and they worked our shift with us. So like we were mid shift and this other military unit from, um, Georgia was day shift. And those, um, those guys from Brian's, um, um, unit were yeah. worked kind of opposite of us like on the night shift we kind of rotated and so we knew each other and we'd you know grab a beer together because we were able to drink on the base and um, yeah. and just hang like I never hung out individually with them but that dude like deployed with me in support of um, Iraqi freedom and enduring freedom survived survived a, a long deployment and Got home and was killed at the hands of a domestic threat. Yeah, all enemies, foreign and domestic, and um, they were not patriots. I don't care how many American flags that they carried; they were not patriots. They were they were a, a domestic threat, um, and they killed people. and And yeah. that's the truth of the matter. I don't like it. it can make you mad. It doesn't matter. But, like, when I was in the military, that's what I swore to uphold. Um, As I transitioned away from the military and started, like, looking into what it, you know, I mean, honestly, like, what do I want my life to look like in leading or in following Jesus? I couldn't square in the first couple of years out of the military. I couldn't square the Pledge of Allegiance and making another oath with what it meant to follow Jesus. So, and it was some of these passages, passages of scripture that did it for me. And so when my daughter asked, that's the conversation we have. That's like, I, you don't have to, well, the teacher will get mad. I was like, Nope, teacher's not allowed to get mad about that. So you don't have to, if you don't want to, because, um, because I don't even think sweetheart that, you know, what they're asking you to do. Like you're just saying these words and you don't even know what they mean until eventually they're just going to embed in you and you're just going to believe them and you don't even know what they mean um and we just say it we just say it um and so I tell her she doesn't have to and that um that I don't because the only person that I want to follow is Jesus and that Jesus is more important than America and that Jesus doesn't love America he loves the people in America so
0: yeah,
1: this is not the New yeah. Jerusalem for any any Zionists out there. Eh, you got it wrong. Like, <laughs> this is, yeah, right. I don't care what Reagan says. We're not a city on a hill in a biblical sense. At one point, I think that we were a city on the hill from a world, um, a world aid sense during the height of the communism, the yeah. Cold War. But yeah, anyway. Hmm. So that's what I tell her. I don't tell her the city on the yeah. hill stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's very, good conv- it could be very confusing, obviously, for kids who are, like, yeah, we just all stay together, and it's super fun, and you're, and you know, because, like, my little one's going to go into kindergarten here, Um, that would be an interesting conversation, because she, it's really funny, um, she loves America, like, as far as, like, the flag and that sort of thing, yeah. I don't know where she got this, she must have got it from her daycare or something, but, oh, maybe. like, you because did. You do live in Idaho. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It, but it's just very interesting. Where like, whenever she sees an American flag, she goes, "Oh, America, America." I'm like, "Yeah, we live in America." Like, and she's like, "Yeah, like I love America," you know. And, and right. it's very interesting. I'm like, we didn't. We never. We didn't teach her that. Like, right. We, you know what's interesting we, is yeah.
1: how many kids can recite the Pledge of Allegiance, but not the Lord's Prayer.
0: Oh yeah. Right. You know
1: what I'm saying? Like. And I'm guilty of that. Like, my daughter could probably recite the Pledge of Allegiance better than the Lord's Prayer.
0: Yeah.
1: If I asked her what the Lord's Prayer was, she'd be like, "What are you talking about?" Which now makes me think, "Whoops, need to need to fix that."
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's really. I think that even just yesterday, because you know our church we take communion. You know, every time that we're together. Even my little one was like, Daddy, are we gonna do communion? And I'm like, Yeah, honey, we're doing communion. That's the first time she's ever like consciously was like, Oh, we do communion. Like right. So either that or maybe like you know, your little one was sending her down to ask me, you know, like maybe that's hey, possible. Go ask them. Go ask them if they're gonna, go do, communion. If they're gonna do communion. Yeah. That's we, that's we, very I, possible. It's funny, I we've noticed that a couple of times where like either uh, Hazel or or, uh, Nick's and Allie's Eliana. daughter, yeah. Hey, will come down and say, Hey, Eliana and he's want to know. And I was like, oh, Okay, <laughs> I was just fine. I mean, right, because Malachi, my
1: 14 year old does it with my seven year old,
0: yeah, right. Hey, can we have like,
1: popsicles? Hazel, you just asked me that. Malachi told me to ask you,
0: yeah, right. Oh, okay, it's funny. Cool. I'm like, She doesn't have any siblings, and so I'm like, oh, Okay, this is kind of her it's kind of a, a way for her to have siblings because right, yeah. the little one is the one that does all the errands, you
1: know, yep. like, yeah. And I just, <laughs> yeah, we used to do that. Cause, cause I know like <laughs> you're not going to tell my, like when I was, you know, 14 and my, um, my little brother was six, like, you're not going to tell him no most of the time. Like,
0: yeah. Right. <laughs> but yeah, it's just kind of cool like, I, that's what I hope for, like for our little one, this to be like, just to be a, a, a um, not so much like a like I mean I'm free thinker for sure, but just to be able to ask questions. Right. I'd be like, Why do we say the pleasure of allegiance? Well I mean this is historically why you, we say it, but you know, like you said, you don't have to if you don't want to. Right. Mom and dad don't. Like we don't we don't say it. Um and for her to make that decision, like, okay, like but like just blindly being like, no, you say that pleasure. You see it better than anybody else. You know, like right. uh, yeah, for what like, reason,
1: you know, like yeah, exactly. okay,
0: Yeah.
1: So and for me it it really is over the last I don't know, five or seven years, seven years. It really is like I I like my allegiance is to Jesus. That's it. That's it. There's yeah. there's nothing else. Um and you know i've had my neighbors like bruce you know you're in the military why don't you fly a flag outside of your um on on your house and i'm like because i don't want to
0: that's it like yeah.
1: i don't want to like you're like i like, feel like
0: it doesn't match my blm uh yeah, sign yeah out it there. wouldn't
1: match my blm sign um it would contradict um, no. Yeah. I mean, and that's why she would like legitimately, that's why she was asking you have a BLM sign, but you don't fly a flag. And I'm like, it, it really, I was like, cause it's unimportant to me. Like I, I did 20 years. Like I, I don't hate America. Um, I love, and I'm grateful for the freedoms that I have living in America. Um, and, and the benefit that comes with living in America, Um, But there's a great Jeff Bridges clip out there from a TV show or a movie or something like that, where he's just like, you think we're the greatest nation? And and, and he goes off on like these statistics and, and I'm increasingly disappointed in how we handle things in America. Like I'm disappointed in the political divide. I'm disappointed in like, there's so much that I'm disappointed in. And those two things can exist at the same time in one person's head like they can, they just can. Um, I'd love living in Idaho. I love living in treasure Valley. I also hate it. Like me and my wife have talked about like, where would we move to in America? Like where's another place we'd move to. And we love living here. Um, I would love to live on the beach. I I'm a little bit more open to, I would live in a big city or on the, on a coast, on a beach. Um, she's less open to that, but like, yeah, I love I love living here. I also can't stand it. And those two things exist right. in my head. Like I'm able to yeah. live in the tension of that cognitive dissonance that exists where it's just like there's yeah. tension there. And there's tensions there. And it and it doesn't mean that I hate it here. Um, and it doesn't mean that this is the best place in the world. It's just that no, I, I recognize the flaw. I heard someone say one time, like, as you grow up, when you're little, your parents are the greatest things in the world. Like They're the best. As you grow up, you should be able to see, oh, they have flaws and still appreciate them. And that should be the same thing with America. As you become an adult, you should be able to look at America and be like, oh, I I appreciate the good things that come with living here. There are flaws. There are flaws that exist. There just are and recognize them don't mull over them and pretend that they, d- that they don't exist. That's not good or healthy. Right. So. Yeah. yeah that's where I'm at. Anyway, that's nothing to do with the Bible, but, but that is a kind of he's yeah. saying don't take. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: Just speak okay. truth. Like truth. Like I, I like this. Um, and I've mentioned it before, but like truth is about caring for relationships like when like um, Mike Erie kind of lays this out on the Voxology podcast where he's just like truth is not just saying factual words it is about care of relationships so the words that you say that care for a relationship are truth and so like when Jesus says I'm the way the truth and the life when he says I'm the truth like he is the way him is truth are the words that care for our relationship with God, the father, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Jesus as yeah. the word of God and the truth of God is the mediation between us and the father that cares for that relationship. It is the way that our relationship with God is cared for. Like yeah. God is speaking Jesus to us in an attempt to maintain a healthy relationship with us and a caring relationship with us. Like yeah, Jesus is the revelation of God caring for our relationship and these factual words, but that's not what he means. When he says truth, he's saying, I am the words that maintain relationship and that's important. Like that's a big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: So yeah, yeah,
0: that's it. Nice. Awesome. Well, you guys got part 10. Yeah,
1: done. <laughs> yeah, we'll do one more. And then um, I, I don't think we've talked about like where we're going to go into next. Maybe we'll take a couple weeks off.
0: Okay.
1: I don't know. We'll talk about it. Yeah.
0: But, By the way, I'm ready for the next thing once we're done with this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the American readout. Yeah. And how it's not okay. And we shouldn't be trying to build a Christian nation. in the Yeah, that will be...
0: That'll be part 12 for our, uh, our series here.
1: <laughs> That'll we'll start a new series.
0: There you go. We'll start with that. That'll be good.
1: Yeah. Anyway. All right, cool. We'll James. go celebrate your fourth.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be awesome. I'm excited. So, um, all right, very good. Well, thank you so much for, uh, tuning in and, um, we'll have part 11 next week. as we finish our study of James and uh continue to to share and like and comment um you know all of our uh, social media as well as um you know rating us online and uh yeah thanks for sharing. You know, we're we're just getting into the thirty one hundred uh download mark So we're we're yeah. moving towards that four thousand uh goal here by the end of the year. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. All right, very good. Well, we will see you next time and keep up on God's word each and every day. And we'll Seeing part 11 coming up next 11. week. <laughs> See you later. All right. Peace. peace. Thank you for listening to Folding and Share Theology. You can follow Bruce on multiple social media platforms at BPags2, as well as Justin Mercier on Instagram at Justin Mercier13. Additionally, you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Folding and Share Theology. Until then, keep unfolding God's word each and every day.